From next week, we're going to be starting our new series of talks on why remembering and celebrating what God has done for us is really important. We're going to be examining lots of Jewish festivals to help us to do that. Today, we're not quite doing that. So, just like the last few weeks, we've had miscellaneous uh, services and topics. If you remember the first week, we had uh, the Partnership Sunday, and then we thought about the name of God. That was with Andy while Jill and I were away. And then last week, we had Food Bank. So today, we're having another one as well. The thing is, when I started with the theme of this, I thought, oh yeah, that's going to go really well. But then all of a sudden it started taking a a sort of a a different direction. And now instead of it being like a a one talk all by itself, it's now a preamble of what we're going to talk about in April and May. So you'll get to hear a lot about what's going on in April and May today as well, I'm sure. We heard a fairly famous passage of scripture from Alma earlier. And it was just part of the Israelites' long story with God. Because the Israelites, at that time, they had the past, the present, and the future. Isn't that amazing? We've got those same three categories as well, haven't we? We've got the past life, the present life, and the future life as well. Let's just investigate briefly some of those categories then. So the past, when uh, we're sort of thinking about what was going on with the Israelites from what Alma read, the past was they were slaves in Egypt. And they'd been there a long time, 430 years. That had become the norm. That was what went on. The present, they were wandering around in the wilderness aimlessly, in a way, trudging around, just thinking, oh, what's going on here? And of course, we know they did that for 40 years. The future, this is the important bit. They had the certain, I put that in inverted commas, the certain promise of a beautiful and superb land to live in. Hopefully, forever. But they had to think about the future. They were in the wilderness, and God had said, I'm going to give you this. So what they had to do was move from the present into the future. Quick question just for now, which we'll probably come back to is, how do we embrace the future today? Or in other words, how do we get from A to B today? Sometimes I look at scriptures like this one. I'm going to have a little sit down. Thank you. Don't you see, this is Song of Songs, uh, chapter 2, verses 11 to 13. Don't you see, the winter is done. The rains and clouds have come and gone. The flowers are unfolding in the fields. The birds are warming up their songs. The cooing of the turtle dove is heard throughout the land. The fig trees are bringing forth their first fruit. And the vines are in blossom filling the air with their fragrance. So arise, my dearest, my beauty, and come away with me. And that's from the voice translation. Sometimes I look at scriptures like that and I think, 
Yay! Yippee, Lord! That sounds absolutely brilliant. Count me in. Very occasionally, I don't think like that. I just think, Lord, that's a bit difficult. Arise with you. I'm very happy where I am, thank you very much. Do I have to arise with you? Is it a, a definite order? Or is it something I can just think about for 40 years like the Israelites did? Perhaps you view change as unwanted or at best just tolerated. You don't want to arise with God. You want to stay in your metaphorical bed because it's warm, cosy and safe there. Arising with God is wonderful if you're a hero in a film, if you've got a great physique, if you've got a suntan, if your CV is marvellous. Maybe arising with God is just up your street then. But do you know what? Even if we're not like those things, even if we're normal, and I'm looking around and can I be honest with you, you all look very normal. That's all right, isn't it? We're all normal. But arising with God is wonderful because I found this in my life. Being with Jesus is always the safest, bestest, okay, I made that word up, loveliest and most fulfilling place to live. Being with Jesus is definitely where we need to be as his disciples. Shall we arise as Jesus calls us to go with him, wherever that may be? It doesn't matter, I think, what complications there might be by following Jesus wholeheartedly. We still need to follow Jesus, don't we? Because whether we follow Jesus wholeheartedly or just apathetically, there's going to be complications because we're sort of identifying ourselves with Jesus. So to me, it's much better to give everything we've got to Jesus and say, yes, Lord, everything I have, I want to follow you and obey what you have to say. So hopefully this morning, we're going to be thinking about what it means to move from A to B. Not on our own, not just together, but with Jesus. Let's think about the Israelites a little bit more. They've been trudging around in the wilderness. But did they want to enter the promised land? From what I've read about them, often... They wanted to go back to Egypt. When things were hard, they were sort of wanting, oh, I really want to have the pomegranates and the melons and everything that was in Egypt. It was a place of suffering. It was a place of slavery. But perhaps because of human nature, they knew what was going to happen and they felt content because they knew what was going to be going on. The promised land was unknown. The promised land could be dangerous. At least they knew being a slave, what it happened to be, making bricks with straw, without straw. They had places to live. What would it be like in the promised land? Would it be the promised land, or was that just God talking? Would God even get them into the promised land? Would he answer his promise? Mentally 
and physically, the Israelites needed to do something. They needed to break new ground. And that's a title I thought about two or three weeks ago, thinking, yeah, we need to break new ground. And as I I was reading through numbers recently, I thought, pointing the finger, because it's always easier to point the finger at other people. Oh, those Israelites, they really needed to break new ground with God. But then as so often happens, then God says, how about you, John? What are you doing in your life? So I want us to think about that a little bit today. I'm looking around, and I know some of you are gardeners. Your fingers aren't the same colour as mine. They're definitely green fingers, aren't they? And the thing about gardening is you can't just look at it. If you look at the garden and only look at it, what's going to happen? Not a lot. Apart from all the stuff that you don't want to grow is going to grow in the wrong place. The stuff that you do want to grow is probably going to get all out of shape and take over different parts. And these things, weeds... We're definitely going to sort of think, yay, we can sort of do what we want here. Being a gardener takes effort. You need one of these quite often, don't you? A little hand-held shovel. So Jill and I, we're a bit of a team at doing gardening quite often. We might be getting down. And sort of getting the weeds out, shaking them so the earth don't go away as well. We sort of get, dig out the weeds, dig in a bit of uh, nutrients, compost. Or at least that's what I saw Percy Thrower, Jeff Hamilton and Monty Don doing on the television. You know, sort of shoving things in. and So you're breaking new ground and putting lovely nutrients in, compost and things like that. Or you might with a big shovel, sort of just get in there, whether you've got an allotment or a garden. And just from time to time, you need to do that sort of thing. It's very physical. It makes you smell. It makes you perspire. It makes you think sometimes, I'd rather just be reading a book inside or I'd rather sort of do something else. Does that have happen to you if you've got a garden? Or are you that keen that you just think, oh, no, it's gardening, I just need to do it. I know for myself, sometimes I'm all for this effort But sometimes I get a bit sore about it. It's physical work, especially if I haven't done it since the autumn and I haven't been sort of using sort of uh, either these or big spades. It takes effort. And if we try and ignore what goes on in our garden, it's not going to reach the potential we want for our eyes and for our nose. If we're going to make a beautiful garden to look at and to smell... We've got to put the time, the energy, the focus on breaking new ground. If you walk along the road near you, I bet you can easily see the people that have spent time in their garden. And you can see the people that have got a double mattress or a skip or whatever it might be in their front of the garden. And sometimes that's just for a short time. But sometimes it sort of lasts uh, a while. I'm thinking of keeping up appearances and uh, how one garden was beautiful and the other garden was uh, where the buckets lived rather than the bouquets lived. Uh, uh, weren't, weren't so good, really, were they? So it's the same with people's gardens. 
I wonder, though, do you think like that? Have we all broken new ground in the past? I think we have. For starters, you had to decide to come to this church. That might have been weeks ago, months ago, decades ago. But you had to decide to do it. Maybe you decided to move house. You had to break new ground. Maybe you decided about a relationship that you were sort of either needed to put some effort into and you thought, yes, I'm going to break new ground. I want to meet someone like that or, you know what I mean? Or you might have sort of think, yeah, I want to keep fit. I want to sort of do some jogging because sometimes you sort of travel around in Eton and you see people that are obviously new to jogging. Have you seen that? Because they're sort of doing it slowly. And then you see others that broke new ground with keeping fit years ago because they look pristine, don't they? They've got a physique that some people work hard for. And they're just sprinting along, just smiling like Superman would. But the idea is they've broken new ground. And if I was going to go around all of you, you would say, yes. I think of broken new ground. Maybe you tried some new food. Maybe there was something on a shelf in Sainsbury's or Aldi or Asda, and you thought, I've never tried that before. You didn't think, oh, I'm going to break new ground. You just thought, oh, I'll try that. It'll be all right. Do you know what I mean? So we've all broken new ground. I've put a few more uh, ideas down here as well. Sometimes when we break new ground, it's easy. Sometimes it's exhilarating. Oh, I'm so glad I did that. So glad I went to church today. I'm so glad that I started reading that version of the Bible, the last version I'd read for 15 years. And it was like I knew it was kind of a bit samey. But now I'm glad, I'm glad God said to me, start reading the new version of the Bible. And so all these sort of new breaking grounds, it might exhilarate you. Or it just makes you tired thinking, Oh, that was so hard work. Why did I have to do that recipe? That was so difficult, getting all those ingredients and putting it together. It was nice at the end, but I don't think I'll ever do it again because it was just took such a lot of preparation. And then I needed this thermometer and I had to go and buy one and all. So it wasn't so easy. So sometimes we can be really grateful for change and breaking new ground. Sometimes we can be a bit wary about it, can't we? And it, what we've done in the past can have an influence on us for the future. But it was time for the Israelites to break new ground. They had to decide what to do. They were led by Moses and Aaron. But they had to break new ground, literally. They had to go the place God told them to do because they couldn't stay in the wilderness forever. Would they go back to Egypt? Or would they go to the promised land? Would they seek familiarity or newness? Would they seek comfort in going back to what they knew about? Or would they seek further effort and sweat? Would they want to grow in their faith? Or would they want to just tread water in their faith? Would they trust God? Or would they trust themselves? I think we all know that it took 40 years. We've mentioned that already. And of course, in another part of the Bible, it says it could have taken just 11 days to cross the wilderness. 11 days or 40 years. 
40 years is 14,600 days. So roughly speaking, they took 11, uh, sorry, they took 1,000 times longer to get to the promised land than they really needed to. 1,000 times longer. God didn't leave them to where they were in their disobedience, in their sin. He wanted to encourage them to go to the promised land. In the first verse that Alma read, it said, The Lord spoke to Moses. In the Amplified, it says this, Send men to explore and scout out for yourselves the land of Canaan, which I give to the Israelites. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a leader or head among them. I think that's brilliant because God knew what the promised land was like. God knew all about it. But he wanted to give them a little look at it to sort of say, ah, that's what it's like. He wanted them to explore it for themselves. They weren't exploring it for God. He knew every inch, every bit of the promised land. He knew he'd made it for them. But the Israelites needed to go and have a look to be encouraged, to say, yes, that's possible. That's what we want. Let's go. They sent the best men. It says the leaders, the heads among them. The Hebrew word suggests someone who's lifted up. So the people who went were esteemed by the other people. They weren't just young lads who saw them coming out of Egypt with the plagues and the parting of the Red Sea. But now, yeah, so what? I'm just a young lad, it doesn't matter. These were men who had esteem, men who were the best, men who should have given a good report about what was going on there. Two responses were given. They were all very honest about what was there, the sort of land flowing with milk and honey, there's people living there, but wow, these grapes, we had to have them a big pole and carry with two men, carrying them along. That was that big and heavy and fruitful and lovely. But ten people said, but I don't think we can do it. Caleb and Joshua said, Let us go up at once and possess it, he said, for we are well able to conquer it. Let's do it at once. There's no point in pussyfooting around, whatever word you want to use, messing around. Let's do it. God's called us. Let's go for it. Some people, we even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. I always think that's quite ridiculous, really, isn't it? How did they know that that's what the people were sort of saying about them? I bet they were behind the hedges, behind the sort of like Dad's army would do, you know, sort of just behind so the enemy wouldn't see them. I don't think the people, the inhabitants of that land saw the Israelites at all. They were just sort of scared and just looking and seeing what was going on. They searched a lot of the land, but I bet no one saw them. And yet here they're saying, yeah, we felt small. And it's okay to feel small. But then to say, ah, but we felt small. And we know the other, the people there thought we were small. 
It's very sad, isn't it? And again, it's so easy. I can point the finger at these people that were following God years ago because they don't mention God. They don't mention his strength, his power, and his might. And sometimes I think, how often do I not think about things like that in my personal relationship with God? In the coming weeks and months, what new ground should we be taking, both individually and collectively? What has God been whispering to you about recently? Maybe about your character. Maybe about the things you do. Maybe about the things you don't do. Maybe about your family, how you can encourage and bless them. It's great when God whispers, but then we've got to break new ground as we do what he says. So I wonder what we might do collectively. I mentioned it earlier, but uh, next week I'll have some of these flyers, some A5 flyers, hopefully, to give to people. They're going to be double-sided. Uh, I haven't put what's on the back, but it's just sort of saying, yeah, Easter's coming up. Come and celebrate with us. Maybe it'll be breaking new ground for you if you took 20 or 30 for a street and then knocked on a door or two to say, we're from the Newton Christian Fellowship, we're from your local church, why don't you come and celebrate Easter with us and just tell them about what Easter means to you? That might be breaking new ground to do that. As a church, we're breaking new ground in several ways already and have been doing it recently because now we've got a, a leadership team, so that's uh, Alan, Colin, Fiona and myself. So now we're sort of just meeting together. We've met together once. We're going to be meeting together in a few weeks' time. And we're sort of thinking, well, what's God got in store for us? There's other things that have been going on at church, like the refocus meeting that we've got this evening, the Lenten meetings and the uh, Thursday morning coffee morning. All these things have started, and they're starting to be heard about, and people are coming to them. But maybe... It's not so much about that. Maybe God's speaking to you about your quiet time, about reading the Bible a little bit more. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Maybe about sort of loving your family in a different way. Maybe, I don't know, the sky's the limit with God, isn't it, sometimes? But as, as we listen to God, to his whispers, then we can say, Lord, I need to know you more. I want to follow you. Help me to be a blessing to other people. Those ten leaders that said, no, don't go to Israel, they perhaps weren't in the right place with God. They were looking at the things around them and looking less at God. And it's a big feature of the Bible to pray for your leaders. I really need prayer. You know that. I want to lead well and lead in a way that God wants us to go and not just to be content with just the way things can be. I want to break new ground, but I want to break the right new ground and not just do things just because it's John's good idea. And I want us all to join in doing things like that. I want us all to sort of say, yes, Lord, what are you asking me to do? What new ground is there? We've thought about the Israelites uh, wandering around and they're wondering whether to go back to the past, to Egypt, or to go forward we can do the same, can't we? Sometimes we can try something new, but then think, oh, it's so much easier to go back to the past. 
So how can we embrace the future over the next few weeks? How can we embrace breaking new ground for ourselves? A few quick ideas. Nothing new. You know all these already. I'm just reminding you, really. We can take tiny steps like toddlers do, or we can take large strides like someone like John Cleese might do. Do you know what I mean? Whatever God is saying, we might start with tiny steps and then gradually we'll take larger strides as we get confident about that. Here's three basic ideas. Let's read the Bible every day. Reading a chunk of the Bible every day is so useful, more than useful. We need it, don't we? And sometimes we might read a little verse here or there, but to read a chunk of the Bible, absolutely wonderful. What about praying every day? Meeting other believers as often as you can. It's great when we meet together on a Sunday morning, a Sunday evening, a Monday evening, a Wednesday evening, a Thursday afternoon. There's so many times when we can meet, and a Thursday morning as well. There's so many times when we can meet that the church is organising. You could organise something for yourself as well to meet with another Christian. And I know that some of you do. How about going a bit deeper, a bit further? We could read other Christian books. We could listen to podcasts, if that's your thing. You could, commit, you could commit to praying for someone regularly. They don't need to know, or maybe they do. But you could hear God's whisper. Who's he going to say to pray for for, the, for April? And then for May, you could pray for someone else. Growing as Christians is what I think we want to do, to mature as disciples of Jesus. It's not just about actions, although that's what actions are like. It's about maturing in our faith, isn't it? Oswald Chambers said this, goodness and purity should never be traits that draw attention to themselves, but should simply be magnets that draw people to Jesus Christ. If my holiness is not drawing others to him, it is not the right kind of holiness. I want to be a human magnet for Jesus. I don't want people to see me and be put off from following God because of the way I say things, the way I do things, the way I act. I want people to see me and think, he's an encouraging fellow. I wonder where he gets that from. Why is he like that? And they could ask me, or I might just tell them sometimes. And it might be the same for you, that you could say, Lord, in my circle of friends and family, Wherever I go this coming week, will you help me to be a magnet for you? A place where people know that I'm different and it's because of you that I'm different. Again, we've talked about whispering and uh, listening to God's whisper to us. I read something from Nicky Gumbel this week. When we are talking, we are usually merely repeating what we already know. When we are listening, we may learn something new, breaking new ground. But if we're just full of ourselves and full of, oh yes, this is my plan, this is what I'm going to do, sometimes it's difficult to learn something new, to break new ground. I want to be a better listener. I'm all right. I'm all right talker. 
but I want to be good at talking, good at listening, and to be an encourager for others. We're a team together, all of us, working together with God's mission, asking him, what do we do, Lord? How do we go about life? We all know, and perhaps I've made light of it today, but we all know that breaking new ground is not easy. Sometimes we might have fears or hang-ups or just issues where we just think, that sounds pretty difficult. The beautiful thing is, it's always the best thing to be with Jesus and then to do what he says. No matter how we feel, we can say, Lord, I want to hear your whisper to me. What do you want to say? Help me to stick close to you, wearing your yoke, following you, and then to break new ground in the way that you want me to do, whether it's in my character, in my actions, or whatever way it may be, Lord. Help me to be obedient to you. So I'm going to pray, and then Fiona's going to help us to think about some of those things. So Lord, we do thank you. Thank you that you broke new ground when you came here. You came here to save us, not to condemn us, even though our sins and the bad ways we live really demanded that we should be sort of sorted out for what we deserve, that was going to hell. But Lord, you broke new ground. You showed love, compassion, kindness and purity. Lord, in our lives, may we show all those things as well, in our thoughts, in our words and in our actions. Lord, we ask all of that in your name. Amen.